0: With authority. Welcome to another quarantine edition of the With Authority podcast. We got a full house. Larry Beal, Casey Pratt, Chris Alvarez, and our special guest, we are thrilled to get the new and, might I add, still undefeated manager <laughs> of the San Francisco Giants, Game Capital. I know you, you actually wish you had a record at this point, but uh, before we get started here, uh, where are you? What are you up to in these uh, bizarre times that we're living in?
1: Yeah, I'm st- I'm still in Scottsdale. Um, there's a few of us still here. Most everyone, including players and our Major League field staff, have uh, left Scottsdale and-, and headed home to get settled in. Uh, there are just a few loose ends that-, that needed to be tied up. And you know, quite frankly, I can still get outside and take a walk, get back in and get all my work done. Um, it just seems like there's a lot of open-ended time right now, so uh, I just haven't been in a rush to get back. But but I actually am. For the first time, starting to get anxious and and want to get back to the Bay Area and get settled.
0: So I thought we would do this a little bit differently than we've done the previous podcasts. Um, I I have a lot of research on you. Uh, <laughs> is that, is that and, how you
1: keep your research like, <laughs> scribbled on on? <laughs> that's awesome.
0: It's, it's better than <laughs> like cutting
2: newspaper articles and putting the letters and gluing the yeah. them. So yeah. <laughs> well,
1: <laughs> with, those are with rare, the zoom With the Zoom call, I just figured you'd have like. Technology in front of you, maybe an iPad or
0: something. Like <laughs> Who knows? Thanks. Thanks. Uh, the first let it, let the record show you're on it. The first insult was from Gabe Kapler. Okay. Um, uh, so I wanted to do this kind of like like Jeopardy because there's so many different things that we could talk to you about. So here are the categories, and we, you get to choose what category you want to start with. I thought we would go inside baseball, nutrition. Scotch, which may or may not be the same category as nutrition, <laughs> classical piano, and Japan. Those are our, our first five categories. Wow. Have cap- For $100, where would you like to start?
1: Let's start with nutrition. <laughs> I'll, okay. I'll take nutrition. Do I have like 100 through 500, or are we just starting at the bottom? We have no plan, Gabe. This this would be. Are you? Are you? you, Is it like nutrition? Go or are you about to ask? Give me a fact. (laughs) We probably should have talked about this this before we started.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you do ten minutes on nutrition and then I'll ask a follow-up? No. No. (laughs) No. But actually, this is a a really good time, and I'm, I'm trying to be serious here for like five seconds. But when everybody's talking about their immune systems and coronavirus and things like that. I mean, you. I'm, I'm not saying you're a self-taught "quote unquote" nutritionist, but you're a guy that was known for your physique, and you've been working on uh, nutrition for years. Four uh, percent body fat at one point. I don't know where you still are. So we have some stuff in common, you and I. But uh, <laughs> anyway, what what are you what are you eating? What are are you all organic? What are you doing to keep your immune system up at this point?
1: Yeah. Well let's start let's stay on the the serious note for for just a moment. I mean, part of being responsible here is obviously practicing social distancing, um, considering ourselves asymptomatic carriers. Um, and and I think the the best thing that we can possibly do is is stay home as much as possible, obvious. So um, that includes cooking. And for me, I've been doing a, a lot more cooking and um, kind of coincides nicely with with the nutrition question. Uh, I'm I'm big on you know eating a a ribeye steak and and I have a few you know I have a salad in the in the refrigerator so I'm eating a few green leaves and and that's basically uh, what what my diet diet consists of right now I'm using a sous vide and the sous vide gets the meat up to a very specific temperature and holds that temperature for as long as you need it to so you could step away and do a call for an hour and a half and. Uh, it's a hot water bath that you drop a, a steak into in a Ziploc bag and it gets up to 133 and a half degrees and it just sits there like at a medium rare and then when you take the steak out you drop it in a cast iron pan with some butter and um, you know put it one side for 45 seconds the other side for 45 seconds and you've got a pretty perfectly cooked ribeye steak that feels like a pretty healthy meal to me and probably my go-to right now um, over the course of the
0: last three weeks. Well, I don't even know what a sous vide is, but I'll look it up after the podcast. Yeah, no,
1: it's, it's, like, it's like a hot water bath, right? It's a, it's a tub. Um, it, it keeps the water at a specific temperature, and it just kind of slow cooks the meat but never gets it above that temperature. So there's no, re- there's no real risk of overcooking. So people who have to check text messages, emails, go, want to go catch a workout, you can just drop that thing in a Ziploc bag and come back and, and the steak's at the temperature that you want it to be at.
0: All right, wow, all right, uh, Casey, how about nutrition for two hundred?
3: Honestly, for me, I would like to know just as somebody that is maintaining nutrition at that very level, how hard is it to stock up right now? How challenging is it to get the groceries and the food and everything you need and exercise so- social distancing at the
1: same time no i think I think that's a great question. Um, it's not easy, so one of the things that I've done is I have a, a spray bottle like in Antivirus, antibacterial spray bottle that some of us have in our homes. I carry it with me. I carry antibacterial soap uh, with me in a backpack. And if I need to go to the grocery store, I go to the grocery store and make sure that I'm washing my hands before I walk in the grocery store. And if I'm picking up two or three packages of, of steaks or short ribs or something along those lines, and, and I'm putting it back, I'm making sure to, you know to wipe it down. Because again, we're we're thinking about this. Even though I'm, I'm not symptomatic, but we all, we're all trying to think about this as if we were carrying the virus to protect other people. It's not as much about, hey, I don't want to go out and get sick. It's more, I don't want to get anybody else sick. Um, so I'm just taking like, kind of protective measures to try to keep the people around me safe and don't spend a lot of time in the grocery store. Try not to go in very often. So if I do go in, it, it's once in a while, once every 10 days. Stock up and, and go back when I can. Uh, and, it's, and it feels like that's what, what most people are, are thinking about, and, and, and that's what I'm hoping for.
3: I'm going gonna... to. If I may, um, really, really quick though. Does, does the Giants um, chef or nutritionist or anybody, or even you, do you provide input or advice to the players that are now stuck in their homes and maybe not familiar with cooking or taking care of themselves like this?
1: Yeah, we have, we have an outstanding team dietitian. Um, her name is Larone, and she stays in, in touch with with all of our players. They've produced how-to videos, um, and this is kind of the, one of the uh, creative ways that our organization is able to stay in touch with our players right now. Uh, so Larone is staying in close contact, offering up nutrition advice and offering up cooking advice. And so, um, you know, everybody in in our uh, baseball operations department can be privy to that information. It's been a really cool initiative that, that we've all been very supportive of. This is
2: all along the lines of nutrition, but also with workouts, you were mentioning videos, Gabe, what are your players doing as far as workouts? I mean, it's just so different. Are you guys sending them stuff? How are they keeping in in baseball shape wherever they may be?
1: I think there's a number of ways that our players are able to stay in baseball shape right now, but um, I just pulled up a, a Wilmer Flores, Instagram post where I believe his wife is, is flipping him. Um, baseballs, and he's driving them into a net in, in South Florida right now in their, in their yard. So, um, again, like this is uncharted territory. We're, we're, we're trying to be creative in the way that we prepare for the season. Um, not sure if you guys have been following how our organization, how our, one of our hitting coaches, Justin Bealy, uses the video game uh, MLB The Show to stay sharp and, and up to speed on opposing pitchers around the National League. I'm doing it as well. I'm playing a couple of games a day. Um, they have this this mode called manage mode and it's like a simulation where you're just making the decisions throughout the game. And uh, recently uh, Brandon Crawford was the player of the game on my, that day. And I took a, a shot, a picture of the screen and sent it over to him and the work that he'd done in that game. And Thought it was really cool. He sent me back uh, a picture of, of the work that he was doing in, in an NBA video game. He'd uh, <laughs> scored 71 points and, and <laughs> dished out nine assists. So, yeah, we're all just kind of being playful and, and at the same time getting really good, productive work done. Um, and we're using things like, you know, video games to stay connected. These,
2: these video games are so real. Are you happy with how you look in the video game? Is it, is it a real replication of Gabe Kaplan?
1: I don't even know. But what I, what I do know is that they've done a really deep statistic dive um, to come up with like player, player value, player talent. Um, so it's kind of fun to see how this, this video game company has, has rated these players and some good stuff online about uh, the way they've come to those numbers. And uh, it makes the game more realistic. And um, I can certainly speak to the, the realistic feel of the game itself. They've done a good job.
0: You could actually call Dave Roberts and manage against him with Giants, Dodgers before we have Giants, Dodgers for real, right?
1: Yeah. You know what? I've, I've been thinking about stuff like that. Um, so it's it's not just this video game, right? There's some really cool computer simulation games out there that if you wanted to familiarize yourself with with different teams around the National League and and their most updated rosters, you can do that. So. Um, while I might not call Dave Roberts, you can bet that, you know, people around the game are using tools like that to to, um, stay sharp, both mentally and then on the the physical side, our our coaches are sending drills and long toss programs, throwing programs to both our pitchers and our our position players. So there's a lot of different ways we can be productive during this time. And um, interestingly, like we, as a crew, have been – and as a crew, I mean, like, our our Major League Baseball coaches and players have been very, very productive during this very strange um, time. And as I said, it's definitely uncharted waters.
2: Gabe, I'm You're just Chris... curious, real quick, what game is it? is it? Is it the show or is it something else?
1: Yeah, that video game that I was referencing is MLB The Show 20. Okay.
0: Chris played college baseball, so I know he wants to get into – uh, inside baseball for a hundred, so we should just go there now, right? Because I know you're dying to ask baseball questions. Uh,
2: <laughs> I was going to ask a fun one later, but Gabe, um, when when originally when this all hit the coronavirus, um, what was that like for you guys? I think we all thought it was going to be a couple weeks, and obviously it's gotten so serious, and we don't know what's happening. But can you take us back to the moment when spring training got canceled or suspended indefinitely?
1: Sure. I mean, we had a we had a shortened game by rain. The, a game that Kevin Gosman had pitched and he pitched really well um, and used all his pitches and built his volume up. We were really excited. He was prepared the next time out, I think to go five innings and, and 75 pitches. So we're starting to inch towards at the time, what was, what was going to be opening day. And um, guys like Gosman and, and Drew Smiley were, were seemingly really sharp, uh, I had just had a conversation after that game um, with, with one of our beat writers about, that Johnny Cueto would, would start on opening day. And at that point, everything seemed fairly normal because we had just come off the field and played in front of, of thousands of fans and surprise against the Rangers. So that's where, that's where the mood was. And then things started to, to unfold very, very quickly. Um, and, and all of us around the industry started to get focused less on baseball and, and much more on keeping society healthy. And um, I think since that's been the number one priority. Casey?
3: <laughs> yeah, I'll jump in. I wanna I want to go inside inside baseball here back to when you were a player. Uh we were re-watching an airing of a game that I happened to be sitting in the crowd for. Uh Dallas Braden's perfect game, and we noticed you were the last out in that game. So what what was that day like?
1: Yeah, you know, this is this is uh this is kind of sensitive because I've been part of a part of two oh. perfect games and made outs in in both of those perfect games and the other one that was aired recently was the Mark Burley perfect game in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the Dallas Braden perfect game, it, it just kind of felt for us as the Rays pretty uneventful. It was like a lot of ground balls, a lot of early contact, not a lot of deep counts. Um, so that's what I remember. In the ninth inning, I think I hit a sharp ground ball to shortstop, and, and that, that was a recorded out. And then in the Chicago game, I hit a ball that, that I thought was going to be at least a double, um, and I thought, it was, you know, potentially even go out of the park, and Dwayne Wise, the center fielder at the time for the Chicago White Sox, went up on the wall and made one of the, the better catches in, oh, in baseball. yeah I remember that
2: catch, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, and and that preserved the the perfect game for Burley. Um, I remember feeling at the time, like, that that kind of sucks, you know, the home run wasn't recorded, but then I felt pretty immediately after that happy for the game of baseball, because Burley ended up with the perfect game, Dwayne Wise obviously went down in history as making one of the, the better catches in, in recent memory, um, and I think we're all better off having that perfect game. I, I will say this. Chris Young, who now works at Major League Baseball, tall right-handed pitcher, um, had a perfect game in Milwaukee, and I believe we were in the eighth inning, and I, and I hit a home run off of him um, in 2008. So while I was part of two on the short end of the stick I was able to break up uh, his perfect game in, in the eighth inning that day.
0: That's fascinating. Cool. So let's let's take a deeper dive into your playing career because 12 years, Tigers, Rangers, Rockies, you were part of the Red Sox team that broke the curse. Uh, first title in 86 years. That was in 04. Brewers, Yomi Yuri Giants in Japan, yes. which had to be a really interesting experience. And you mentioned the Rays. With all of those experiences, how do you think that that prepared you to be the manager of the San Francisco Giants? Would you learn? Yeah, no,
1: I I appreciate having the opportunity to answer this question. Uh, I think with all those teams, I I played different roles. So uh, with the Tigers, like you mentioned, I came up as the number one prospect in the organization um, and as their everyday center fielder. So I kind of got to see the game from, I don't know, like somebody like, um, Hunter bishop for us like a a guy with some pedigree and um, somebody who was coming up as as a touted prospect and then as i got as I got moved around i I went from being an everyday player who hit three hundred at the major league level to really a, a role player and and somebody who was more thought of as the twenty fourth or the twenty fifth man on a on a couple of the rosters I played on as you mentioned i I played in japan um, i kind of as my career went on was more of like player coach late in my career so saw the game from the angle of, of somebody like terry francona or or joe madden and the moves that they were making in game and so got to see it from that perspective so i can kind of relate to a lot of different players as a result of playing for all of those teams for all of those managers and and saw the game from a lot of different perspectives and I wouldn't want it any other way, you know, I think if you're a really good baseball player for a really long time, an everyday player, somebody who does great things in the game like Will Clark, you're going to see that game from through the lens of a superstar. Um, And, you know, I bring up Will because he's in the organization. He's a great teacher and and such a great resource to so many of our our young hitters and, and a lot of us as coaches. But I, I've just – I've seen it from a, a lot of different angles, and, and I really appreciate having that perspective.
2: Obviously, Gabe, you guys would have been in season by now, but can you – it's hard – everybody says it's hard to replicate when you leave a clubhouse as a, when you retire as a player. Now you're still around the game. Did you always know you wanted to be a manager and stay in baseball for as long as you could so you still have that uh, routine and that thing about being around guys in the clubhouse and being around the game?
1: No, I, I really like how you asked that question because it, it's not the between the lines that you miss when you get out of the game, um, at least for me. I don't want to speak for everybody, but it's, it's, it's the preparation. It's the clubhouse environment. It's little things like pulling up your socks and or putting on your spikes or like taking, taking your feet into the dirt on, on a major league field and running around the outfield, Like all of those little things. And as a coach or somebody who gets to stay in the game with a uniform on, you get to continue to experience all of those things. So you don't have that, you know, that longing for what you did from the time you were five years old until like for me into my mid thirties and feeling like, Oh, there's something missing. I'm not getting to do this thing. So while, yeah, I always loved game strategy and that was something that I've always been fascinated with. Staying in the game for me is really about, um, the sensory experiences like the ones I just mentioned. Yeah. And the only way to do that is to
0: keep putting on the uniform. Yeah. I feel the same way about the TV makeup. You know, I still get <laughs> to put it on every day. Uh, you, were, you did some TV for a while, didn't you, in L.A.? Didn't you do some TV? I,
1: I did, and I, and I had that experience with Fox. And so we did a show called Fox Sports Live, which was uh, Fox Sports 1's version yep. of, like, a sports center. It was a highlight show. Uh, but we also did it with a panel, so Gary Payton, um, Donovan McNabb, Andy Roddick, Carissa Thompson. Like this was a we had this panel, and we had lots of lively discussions and debates. And then there was another show that we did called Whip Around, which was much more like Baseball Tonight is for for ESPN, and um, also covered the All Star Game, um, did some work on on the World Series. So, yeah, I got to see that, you know, the game from that angle as well. And um, that was actually a really fun time. The thing that I thought was really cool about that is when the red light went on, you had to have something to say. So it created an adrenaline similar to something like getting in the batter's box. You know, you, you have to take an action step or as a manager, a big moment in the game when you can make one decision or the other. You don't have a choice. You have to make that decision. So um, there's some similarities as it relates to the adrenaline that you get from doing TV.
0: It's funny you mentioned Gary Payton because he lives about five minutes away from me. And, uh, well, the only difference between our houses is about 10,000 square feet and a huge gate in front of his house. (laughs) Otherwise, it's kind of the same. It's almost the same. That's funny. (laughs) Uh, Next category, what do you want to pick for your next category?
1: let's Let's do, well, we covered Japan, didn't we?
0: Can, a, a little bit. How's your Japanese? Did you learn any Japanese? Uh, I, so I don't
1: even remember what this means, but I practiced it over and over. It's no what oh, I'm not even going to keep going. <laughs> I, I'm, just trying to, I'm trying to remember back to, to that time period and some of the phrases that I repeated over and over. Um, I, my Japanese is, is not good, obviously, but um, I, I did. I did think about it a lot and, and work on it before I went over there. Any of you okay. guys any
0: other languages? Well, my wife is half Japanese, so she was going to oh, wow. run and translate for you, but uh, we didn't even get halfway through the sentence. Yeah. Uh, so.
1: <laughs> I I I, des- I deserve that criticism for sure.
0: <laughs> All right. So I, let's let's say we cover Japan. Even though we could probably do a half an hour on Japan, um, you want to go analytics? You want to go Scotch? Uh, there's also a kind of a crazy ice cream story that I read. I don't know. I wow. like some of the stuff that I've read. Is that, it's almost is like that, you're the most ice interesting cream for,
1: ice cream for one hundred or something like that.
0: Yeah, we could do that, but it's like you're the most interesting man in the world. You have all these diverse stories, and I, I don't even know which one of them, which one of these are real. Like, so, the, you want to go ice cream? Yeah, let's go ice cream. I mean, I, th-
1: this is a story that ha- is is a lot of fun, but has really been embellished. It's like <laughs> very very much a, a game of telephone. So uh, the story goes like. I think I was in my very early 20s and on just a very, very strict routine at the time. Um, and I could sort of feel my discipline waning a little bit. I was kind of you know, beginning to crack a little bit during this time period of getting ready for a season. And um, I was with my girlfriend at the time and she, she had an ice cream cone in her hand. So rather than like, completely breaking, I asked her for a bite of the ice cream cone took a bite of the ice cream cone, tasted it, and spit it out. So that became like the thing that I did, whereas I think it was the only time in my life that I did it, but it became a story that people asked me about and, and asked me about to this day. It's a lot of fun because I love ice cream. It's probably, you know, if you ask me um, what my favorite dessert is, that would probably be it. Yeah, I
0: was going
3: to go that route. The like, story. A big cheat meal for you if you're going <laughs> to cheat on a meal?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I do this, like, fairly regularly. So, you know, once every couple of weeks. But uh, deep-dish pizza, really, really cold beer, followed by salted caramel gelato. Wow. wow. How, how specific is that? Is that good enough?
2: That's pretty For specific. Majors. Is there a, a city in the, in the majors that you like to visit the most if you're going to break down and have one of those uh... – Cheap meals, or is there a favorite city you like to go to, whether it's for the stadium or for the food? Like, is, is there one?
1: San Francisco has a pretty good food scene. So, yeah. I mean, it's uh, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable in San Francisco. Some really good ice cream in San Francisco. Chicago has, you know, amazing deep dish pizza, and you know, I can get a, I can get an ice cold beer just about anywhere. Yeah, but, yeah. Look, Chicago's a great place to go in the summer. seattle is one of my favorite cities in the country. Great ballpark still to this day. Um, among the newer ballparks, as good as any that's out there, um, Boston's a great city to travel to. I'm, I'm from Los Angeles. I think L.A. Is, has, has a lot of great things to offer as well. So I'm, I love to travel, and um, I love the cities in our country. Just about – I can find something to do, something to eat in, in any of our cities.
0: <laughs> How do you feel about Prime Rib?
1: Love it love it and have done are you about to bring up a house of prime rib
0: <laughs> did, did, did you read my script did you read oh, this I, well
1: i mean <laughs> we're, we're, we're talking about restaurants we're talking about cities and you said how do you feel about prime rib that means we're about to go to the house of prime rib I've had, i have had i've stopped in a couple of times um get the biggest cut i i, I really enjoy it i mean i've been cooking um short rib in, in the house using that same sous vide uh, metric or uh, tool so um, definitely definitely in on, on both of those things
0: well whenever all of this ends and we get back to normal you're our guest at the house of prime rib work right? the owner joe Betts, and so uh we'll set that up and uh you know that'll that'll be fun and uh you know we get, we could certainly do that
1: is it this crew right here or are we gonna go like we're gonna go break bread eat prime rib and drink wine
0: that sounds pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If that's, if that's what you want to do, I mean, we'll, we'll do whatever you want to do. You're the guest. You're driving this. Right. Is
1: this going to be part of, like, a, a Zoom broadcast where we're <laughs> – can we make a show out of it?
0: Hopefully we don't need Zoom anymore by that point. <laughs> that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Good point. We, I'm sure Joe Betts, the owner, would love us to make a show out of it. Uh, I'm not sure. that we can, we, we can do something. We'll figure something out. I um, love Count yeah. me in. I'd love to do cool. that with you guys. Sounds Excellent. Good. Casey, you want you got our next category? You want to go somewhere? I want to take
3: this back to Hollywood if possible. Can we do a little Hollywood action? I know you went to high school in Hollywood. Did you grow up with any movie stars? I know that there's a lot of like famous alum from your high school.
1: That's funny. Um, so, I didn't grow up in Hollywood. I was born in a Hollywood hospital, um, but I actually grew up right in the middle of the San Fernando Valley. And then, um, so the San Fernando Valley is like, you know, 20 miles north of, of downtown Los Angeles. And it's a, it's a really mixed bag. It's a really interesting place to grow up. My high school is called Taft High School. It wasn't the district that I grew up in. I grew up in, a, in the district for Reseda High School. But Taft High School at the time had a, a better baseball program, and I was able to, to get in there. So the famous alumni from, from Taft, um, Ice Cube is is the most famous. Um, Robin Yount, if you want to go far back, is is wow. definitely the best baseball player to ever come out of there. There's some, been some NBA players that have come out of Taft. Steve Smith, the wide receiver for, for the Giants for a long time, uh, he came out of Taft High School. Gwyneth Paltrow is a, a Taft High School alum. So, yeah, there's, there's some people who have come out of the school that have gone on to do things that um, have made them celebrities.
2: I would imagine, Gabe, and uh, I, I don't know this off the top of my head, you probably played several sports in high school. Do, did, why was it baseball? Did you play football, basketball? And, and how far did you go in those other sports?
1: I was going to say, speaking of football, I think Steve Fisher, the NFL head coach, was also uh, a Taft alum. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe we can, we can verify that <laughs> later. Um, yeah, no, I, I, played, I played exclusively baseball in high school, Um, the environment was year round baseball in the San Fernando Valley when I was growing up. So, I mean, I'm a huge football fan. I'm a huge basketball fan. I never got too much into hockey, but I can share that, you know, I, I follow, I watch any sport and in high school, it was just, it was year round baseball for me. Gotcha.
0: So I have a question along those lines because nowadays everybody's into the, the Sabre metrics and launch angle and spin rate there's just a million different categories as you were coming up in the game would all of that information have helped you or hurt you because sometimes it's it's paralysis by analysis and you know like I, I still remember talking to Barry Bonds and like Barry didn't get, give up a lot to guys like myself but it would be you know see ball hit ball was obviously there was a lot more going on and he was extraordinary in terms of his skills but where do, you, where do you come down on the information in baseball now?
1: Yeah, I mean, I love it because I'm, I'm kind of a nerd. I like to dig into that stuff. But I can tell you as a, as a baseball player, it, it's really, um, you just simplify it, right? So you you want to hit the ball with a high line drive trajectory. You want to hit it as hard as you can, and good things are going to happen. So now we measure that, the angle it, that you hit the baseball and, and how the exit velocity, how fast it comes off the bat. And we just kind of put some numbers to it, but it's kind of similar to what we thought about when we hit off a tee in the cage in, in 2003, right? You're trying to hit a ball at the top of the cage at the back of the cage, hit it as hard as you can and try to make it carry. And if you put instruments in the cage now to measure those things, now numbers are just being put to it. So um, I don't know. It felt like something that we knew as, as a player coming up and, as I got later in my career, a lot of these technologies started to, to come to, to the forefront, as well as you know um, deeper or or more robust analytics and, and numbers but I think you can just boil it down to analytics being information and, and that information can come in all sorts of forms so if you take a scout and he goes to, to watch an amateur player, he's going to evaluate that player on a 20 to eighty scale and if he evaluates him at an 80, it means he's like a hall of famer kind of once in a generation type player. And if he va- evaluates him as a 20, he, he just doesn't really have any value to a major league team. But really what he's saying is this guy's on the, on the 80 end is a, a ridiculous level superstar. The guy on the 20 end is just not a very good baseball player. But once you put those numbers on a page, they become analytics. And so they become foreign and they become a little bit scary. And I think one of the things that we can all do in our industry, just say like all, all of the information is a piece of the puzzle. And, you know, once we break it down into its smaller parts, it's, it's not all that scary. Okay.
2: Yeah, you've been around this game for a long time. And I was at spring training. I had some fun with some of the guys. Uh, Larry mentioned I played a little baseball in college. I have a baseball card. I don't know if you can see it.
1: Yes. Uh,
2: this is from college. Uh, The guys like to make fun of me, Dubon and Crawford, and all those guys had fun with me. Do you have your rookie card, uh, a favorite piece of memorabilia? Like baseball is a game you gather things along the way. Is there something like this that's uh, not as embarrassing but special to you, like your rookie card? Uh,
1: I don't – I'm not a big – I can understand why that would be special to you. (laughs) Uh, I uh, I, I, I definitely don't want to diminish the value of, of that card.
0: I have a mustache here for a little bit, so I was pretty proud of it. Wow. Again, I, I another, that's like. another insult from Gabe Kapler on this podcast. No, <laughs> insult for 500.
1: <laughs> so um, I, I'm, not, I'm not huge on memorabilia. I, okay. I don't really keep a whole lot. Uh, but I will say that a, a World Series ring is, is one yeah. that um, is, is really important to me. And it's probably not that important to me until it, it comes out once in a while and I get to show it to somebody who has a real connection to that mm. O4, you know, World Series team and probably most importantly i want to be able to give it to my to my sons and so for that reason that's probably the most important piece of memorabilia but again just those those things material possessions have never been you know all that important to me it's it's the memories and um you know i can still feel what it feels like to be on the mound with my two young sons in a dark st louis stadium after winning the world series they're crawling around as as essentially babies on the mound, everybody's off the field. I have a hat on that's soaked with champagne, and we just won the World Series. So for me, that moment, I don't i don't need anything. I don't need a picture of it. I can still feel it to this day. I can still smell the champagne. Um, that's that's more important to me than, than any piece of memorabilia.
2: Speaking of that real quick, Fever Pitch was filmed, and I, those guys ran on the field. Did you guys, did you like Fever Pitch and, and that movie? They were kind of playing that out on the field as you guys won the World Series, kind of unique.
1: I thought it was a good representation of the passion of, of Red Sox fans. Mm. Um, I think it, it did a really good job of of representing how crazy that time was and what a big party it became.
0: Uh, yeah, I, Casey is dying to ask Tiger King questions here. So I know the <laughs> time is short. Whoa. I know he's, he's the Tiger King. Go ahead, ask ask your question about uh, Carol.
3: Oh my God, uh, Gabe! You know we had a Vander Kane of the San Jose Sharks on on Monday. And I made the mistake of dropping a Tiger King question to him early in the podcast, and then we spent probably twenty time uh, twenty minutes talking about it. So I don't want to I don't want to go down that road. But what are your what are your theories as it pertains to Carol Baskins?
1: We we can't really do that though, right? Because we're <laughs> get, we'd be giving stuff away. Like I think still, everyone's there's, watched
3: there's, it. Are, I haven't seen it. I that. don't
1: know. I know I know a lot of people who are like on episode one or two. Um, i don 't know that we want to kind of dive into to the outcomes or anything i 'll say this like I think what was most captivating about that show is the storytelling. I think the storytelling is really strong. Um, you start to start to think deeply about the characters early in the show and and the cats are just so incredibly powerful um so incredibly graceful, so um, athletic and the the appeal is is real to want to like take a look at to be around cats that are that powerful um, as, as somebody who really loves and appreciates animals. It's, it's kind of a sad show at the same time, uh, but I don't, I don't want to give anything away for people. It's uh it's an interesting watch and I feel like you dive too deep and we're giving, giving clues.
3: Yeah, that's fine. We could take this a different direction though. As a major league baseball player, have you ever had a teammate that actually like owned a big cat or were interested in that kind of thing? Cause I know, that certain people in the sporting world have have definitely dabbled in owning large animals and exotic animals themselves. I've
1: I've I've never been around uh, a player who's who's owned a big cat. Um, I mean, look, like I I have a I I had a a big pit bull that I absolutely adored and spent so much time with, and that was enough, right? Like, I mean, you know, being being around a, a wonderful warm and kind of um big teddy bear kind of animal like that but still like really powerful that that was enough in in my opinion
0: you said big cat i thought andres galarraga i thought that was where (laughs) this was going the different whole thing uh we'll run out of time we haven't touched on classical piano and your your dad sure does he still play the piano and i know casey was was mentioning that your your folks are in new york so Maybe tie it all together with the piano, and, and, and New York is going through a lot of issues right now.
1: Sure. Um, well, my, my mom and dad are still in the house that I grew up in in Southern California. So they, they were both born in New York and came to, came to L.A. So they're both in L.A. now in the house right. that I grew up in. Uh, my dad still plays the piano every day. Uh, my dad is doing that in, in a lot of ways to, to kind of stay sharp and strong. Um, I grew up listening to him play the piano. Um, He introduced me to Mozart and Schubert and Beethoven. And um, those are, you know, anytime I hear classical piano, anytime I hear um, classical music period, I I think about my dad. So uh, that's an easy one to go through, particularly in times like these. I've had more opportunity to talk to my dad um, and my mom, my brother in the last couple of days than I have in a while. It's been kind of a blessing and surprise. Um, I've been spending a lot of time thinking about my two sons as well. So these are those times when you, like you said, tie it all together. Think about what it was like in your house growing up and, and really appreciate your loved ones.
2: Gabe, last one from me. Um, do you think when we get back to the games and, and playing and hopefully in front of full fans, are you going to have a greater found respect for the game? Is it going to mean more to you? Like, Did we take it everything for granted? Because I know I look at the world a lot differently now.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's a good point. I, I do think that people are going to really appreciate uh, the things that that make their life rich. And I think baseball is one of those things, both for people in the industry, coaches, managers, players, and, and definitely for fans. I think uh, when the time comes that we're able to get back on the field, I think we're all going to appreciate the game a little bit more. And I think we're all looking forward to that. Casey, one last question.
0: You can bring us home. I, I just have one uh, workout question for you because I'm kind of a workout nut myself. Um, what's the one exercise in the gym that you miss the most right now?
1: I think there. So there's two, there's two exercises that if, if you could only do these two exercises, um, you'd you'd be really strong for for <laughs> as long as you were doing them. And that's that's the squat and the deadlift. I'd say those are the two traditional exercises. I also think sprints are um, as good as it gets as well, so like running as fast as you possibly can. Um, But those are the two that would would top my list. What about for you?
0: Man, I miss all of it. Um, We're doing actually a plank challenge. Yeah,
3: I was going to mention the planks.
0: You can jump in on this if you want. Uh, Well, the funny thing is uh, Casey and I, uh, a couple years ago, we started doing the push-up challenge. We got up to 75 push-ups in a row. Wow. And then, yeah. And then I hurt my wrist, That he hurt his shoulder, and that's the end of that. <laughs>
1: Did you guys – you guys hurt, hurt – got hurt doing push-ups?
0: No, it's just
3: – I think it was general wear and tear, because we were doing three sets of 75 a night in the office. Wow. Because we started, like – we started at the goal of a hundred a day and then it just it just got out of control. And I think the wear and tear just messed us up because we did way too many. But but now we're doing planks. So um you know our initial goal when we were together in the office every night was just to add like five seconds each night. Um we're we're about at four minutes now, but
1: no way, um, really. I've
3: fallen off the wagon a bit, but uh do you have a plank time that you can register?
1: No, I can't. I mean I've I've done planks in the past and I'd be interested to hear more about your challenge, but I don't think that I can keep up with you guys right now. Definitely not on the push-up front. I can't remember the last time I did 75 push-ups in a row. Um, But I'd be interested, so throw the information my way. Maybe I'll join in.
0: Nice. Yeah, basically we're just trying to get to as much time as possible. There's a, a Marine, 62 years old, and I was corrected by other Marines saying there's no such thing as a former Marine. You're just a Marine. Right. 62 years old. Dude held the plank for over eight hours. No way! Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Hey, listen,
1: pe- people are strong. I'd love to see. Uh, I'd love to see that. That'd be incredible.
0: Yeah, um, we we can shoot you that that video. It's it's on uh, it's on Twitter and stuff. But cool. uh, we're gonna we're gonna work on our planks, and uh, can't wait to see you at the house of Priory, prime prime rib. But more importantly, in a baseball uniform at Oracle Park with some games to watch yeah
1: you know what I-, I love it like those are those are two goals that I'm excited about and right now I think we all need uh need some carrots right something to, to look forward to something to work towards So I really appreciate you guys taking the time with me
0: thanks, no, well, we, yeah we appreciate your time because uh because I mean it's just special to have you on and uh and like I said can't wait to see you uh, back up in the bay and uh when we're, we're watching baseball games for real so thanks again
1: Looking forward to it, I appreciate you guys. With authority.